Greetings and welcome to the first episode of Ghost of Northern Michigan's Past. My name is Christopher Struble and I'll be your host as we explore all things paranormal in our area. I've been doing Hemingway and historical tours in the area for over 20 years and people just love to share their paranormal experiences with me. When I started documenting their tales over the years, I noticed reoccurring experiences from guests that have no way of knowing what others have shared with me over the years. I really can't think of a better way to kick off this podcast than with my good friend, uh, John Cassidy. So welcome, John. Thank you, Chris. Uh, John is founder and investigator for Bumps in the Night, a paranormal research group located right here in Petoskey. Uh, they have all the gadgets you see on the television shows, but I think the difference between Bumps in the Night and at least you know a good majority of the shows out there is that and this may sound strange to uh, some people, but, but John is a, also a medium, uh, what some people may define as clairvoyant or clairaudient. We'll let John tell you what he prefers to be referred to as uh, with his abilities. But all you really have to do is spend a few moments with John to really know he is, uh, he's totally sincere and totally legit uh, concerning his abilities. John, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a, a little bit about yourself and when you first realized uh, you were able to sense things that most of us may not be able to fully understand. Uh, thanks, Chris. Well. Going back to 1999, actually, um, I started really kind of seeing things, you know, in the house. And or if I'd go somewhere, I would I would see what looked like people. I would comment on it, and my wife would say, "Yeah, there's nobody there." <laughs> um, and one night on the internet, it was chat back in the day when you know internet was very slow, dial up and we, um, I was chatting with a friend over on the other side of the state, and I started getting all these images, and I was seeing things. I started feeling weird, and I started relaying these images and things that I was seeing to her. And, you know, after a while, she's like, okay, you're freaking me out now. <laughs> and it all pertained to her family. Mm-hmm. And some things that were coming up in, in the following week. So it's a long story, but needless to say, at the end of that experience, I was I was just, uh, I don't even know a good word to, to describe it, really. I know you get emotional quite a bit, John, yeah. during some of these events. Uh, they can really strike you. And, and it seems it's interesting to me, to me that you're telling us that sometimes you see things that haven't happened but uh, yet, but usually, you know, people that are paranormal uh, investigators are more experiencing things that have already already happened. And you're telling us that, you know, maybe you're, you're picking up on something that was that was coming. It, it was. Um, it wasn't that I was seeing it like ESP. It was I was being told by what ended up being her grandmother um, of what was coming up, you know, what was going to happen and what uh, she needed to do. So. Um, that happens, but not often. But it's not like you see on TV where, you know, it's like, oh, I predict something coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's that's not accurate. So more so I see things that uh, have happened in the past mm-hmm. with loved ones and that they can verify, you know, the, the people can verify that. So you got corroborating evidence yeah. that goes back after these episodes. Yeah. Occasionally we'll see things in, in the future, but not not like you would expect, you know. Not going to predict a bus crash or a lottery ticket. Stuff the like lottery that. ticket thing would be good. <laughs> yeah, I keep trying, but it never happens. <laughs> 
Well, John has proven his, uh, his gift to me on several occasions, and not that I've ever felt the need to, uh, to test him, but uh, I've been there when, when some of these things have happened, and then we've also shared experiences in the same buildings and, and these same themes and stuff, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes. And these things kept kind of progressing for you, John, uh, your, the, the episodes that you were experiencing? Yeah, that one really got to me because I, I didn't understand it at all. I mean, I, I literally was, was like freaking out. My wife came home and said, funny enough, you look like you've seen a ghost. And I said, well, <laughs> you don't know the half of it, you know, and, and I just broke down. It, the emotion was just way too much. And um, another thing that I feel is their emotions. So in the emotions of people around me. So that can be really trying to, mm-hmm. um, you know, like funerals and stuff like that. I can't even do them. I mean, they're extremely hard. It's interesting how this uh, uh, could affect your day job, which you've told me some yeah. scenarios before. Yeah, that can get kind of interesting too. I try to block it out, but being um, an emergency medical technician for the county EMS is pretty trying sometimes. Yeah, you're experiencing something that the rest of your coworkers aren't experiencing at these events that are already traumatic. Yeah, and sometimes they'll ask me questions, but and, and Bumps in the Night. So you're the you're the founder of Bumps in the Night, a local paranormal research group here. You want to tell us a little bit about what you guys do cuz I know you you're you're kind of like the definitive group here in the area and probably the most credible if not the most credible. Yeah, we um we started out, you know, just just investigating buildings cemetery stuff like that just to to try to wrap my head around what what was going on and then we realized you know this can really help people you know so we started doing that and uh, doing residentials and getting to the point where we made a lot of connections with people out in the field so we were able to uh, bring in people to cleanse their home if needed you know, if we needed to get rid of some ghosts or uh, paranormal activity, we could bring in people to cleanse it, you know, and, and whether it be Native, whether it be uh, Christian, you know, whatever their belief is, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll help accommodate that. And um, we started um, cleansing back, well, just recently actually started cleansing with... Um, you know, sage and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So we'll do small cleansings, but the big stuff we still bring in our friends who are well versed in that. We want to treat the customer right, you know, do what's right for them, and not mm-hmm. and not just make it a tell. According to their belief system, yeah. also. Yeah. And I know you uh, over the years we first met when you were hosting a, a paranormal conference, and that was another attempt also to to maybe. Um, surround yourself or interact with people that may have, you know, truly have the ability that you have or experience things that are similar to what you experience. And the first one I think was in, was in Bayview in 2013, 2013. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, 2013, I, I approached, uh, the terrace Inn just to do a little investigation basically. Mm-hmm. And the owner, when I met her, Patty, she said, you know, it'd be really great uh, do a paranormal weekend, you know, investigate with, with the people there and stuff like that. And people could pay extra. And I said, well, I have one better. I know a couple people in the field. I knew a few people at the time, you know, from various TV shows. And I said, let me see what I can do. And maybe we can bring some in and do an actual event. And uh, I'm being a call to six of them. And 
before it, the weekend was over, we had it, you know, pretty much planned. And a couple of days later, we had 13 people lined up, mm-hmm. you know, just by um, word of mouth. And it it was a lot of work, but when the weekend was done, I thought, oh, we have to do this again. The amount of people that we were able to touch their lives and, you know, make a difference in was was really awesome. So we definitely had to do it do it again. That's great, John, because, again, you're not sensationalizing this. This is a way to try to help people that have experienced things maybe in their homes or with family members and uh, maybe provide comfort or some type of closure. I know of several accounts here in town, um, and actually a couple of these will, will stretch as far as Big Bay uh, up, in, up in the Marquette area where people have had experiences in their home, ongoing paranormal activity. And the one that happened here in town specifically, um, the gentleman received a knock on the door one day. And he opened the door and here were these two daughters and their father had passed away in the home. And they wanted to know if they could look at the house one more time, you know, as they were passing through Petoskey, had been out of the family for years now. And he graciously invited them in the home. They went through the house. And when they left, that was kind of the end of the, uh, of the paranormal experiences in the home. It was a little bit of closure with the family being oh, yeah. okay with the, you know, the, 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 the passing of their father. And, and the closure came and it seems that he, he moved on after that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happens often. Um, you know, sometimes they just want to visit, uh-huh. and, you know, maybe they want to make a connection. And then once they've done that, they seem to just, you know, disappear. They're not stuck here. They're just visiting. Sometimes, they're cho- sometimes they cho- they choose to be here, right, too? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And you hear a lot of this, but, like, immediately following a, a funeral, like, within the three-to-five-day three, three to five day period afterwards, like, maybe the, 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 the person that was closest to the deceased will, will have that visit. And then all of a sudden they get a, a sense of, of almost peace and closure, and and then things kind of kind of go as they as they yeah. should, I guess naturally. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool too. You get to visit all these these great historic locales too, that we share an interest in. Yeah, I love it. And you've you've visited a few with us. Yeah, we had some fun <laughs> times, right? Yeah. You know, I've often stated if if you look at the places around the the world really uh, that tend to hold energy. Um, the list always seems to include schools, hospitals, hotels, theaters, um, places where emotions or energy, great emotions or great levels of energy have been spent, you know, positive or negative. And um, it just seems that those, those places tend to harbor at least that burnt toast theory, you know, mm-hmm. like, the, like, like, like a reoccurring moment in time that, that kind of gets stuck there and played like a, like a loop on a loop or something like that. But it, it, just, it just seems that as I travel and I've, I've kind of extended my travels over the years, that kind of that theory of mine holds true, and especially theaters and, and, uh, and, and with all that creative energy and, and, and places like that. Yeah, people tend to, to think that cemeteries are the most haunted you know, to visit. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of people like to visit them because, you know, there's dead people buried there and stuff like that. So they just think there's going to be ghosts. But I find that cemeteries most, most of the time are not haunted at all. There's a few that are been to some really good ones, but, um, you know, it's more schools, old hotels, Mm-hmm. where there's been a lot of activity. Uh, there could have been a lot of deaths over the years and undocumented deaths and, uh, you know, things like that. Prisons. Prisons, yeah, sure. Yeah. And you've been to Mansfield, which is one of the coolest. Uh... Mansfield's one of my favorites. Eastern State Penn was another one of my favorite spots. Um, You're making me jealous again. With some of the prisons. Um, Moundsville Reformatory. Mm-hmm. And that's in Ohio also, right? That's in um, 
uh, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, right over the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of my favorite um, prisons that I've been able to visit. Well, not that there's a prison in Bayview, but if you add together all the other sort of um, criteria that you would you would expect to to compile and 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 have a place that was sort of active, you know, when you look at Bayview, founded in 1875, uh, some of the greatest performers, musicians, writers, uh, some of the greatest creative minds in in the last uh, you know 150 years have spent time at at Bayview, and you touched on it uh, a little bit earlier the, with with the Terrace Inn. That was one of my first places that I had experiences and and also got records and um, guest accounts of what had would have been going on in in the Terrace Inn. Um, but you, you take Bayview like like if you were to go there today, you have 450 cottages all empty, you know most of the year. That that it's like a Stephen King movie, like The Stand. You know you're walking <laughs> yeah. around, you're waiting for one one curtain to move, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me. And I say this on my history tours, and I say this on the ghost tours, um, and especially in the northern Michigan tours, uh, tradition uh, up here, such a strong tradition, especially in Bayview. You know, some of those homes have been in the same families for six generations now, and it used to be very uncommon for those houses to leave those families. So, you know, that, that experience of coming up north, opening up the cottage, you may have some friends with you from New York, and you open up that door at first, and they smell musty, yeah. kind of dank, damp environment, and you get this this smile on your face as it reminds you of your <laughs> your childhood experiences there. And I, I think especially in these these homes like that, I've, I can tell you some crazy things that have happened to some of the homeowners over there, or cottage owners. But um, you know, I think I think those traditions. If you, I always say, if you come from Ohio and you're staying in Northern Michigan and you pass away, hey, why, why go back to Ohio? Mm-hmm. You know, we got we got such a great place up here in Northern Michigan. But yeah, right. I, I really feel that there's a there's a, a, a special energy that that, that surrounds um, a Bayview that may be just even a little stronger than some of the other areas around here. Mm-hmm. And in the Terrace Inn, you know, my goodness, I've I've hosted a, a fireside ghost talks there, and uh, only to be interrupted when the the piano spontaneously starts playing on its own. <laughs> And uh, I didn't know uh, at that time, um, I, I've, I've kept a lot of records of my own, but I didn't know that the Terrace Inn, they kept their own book. And yeah. I was finally able to look at that book a couple years ago. I think it was two years ago. And I started going through there, and it was almost like it was like like, like, a, like a joke they were playing on me to put all these experiences <laughs> that people had told me. And here they are in, in that book. Um, before we go to the Terrace Inn, though, what do you think, what's, what do you think the most, um, most active place you've ever, you've ever been has been? Um, in general or around here? I'd say general? you could say here also. I think uh, I think I kind of have an idea, but but also, um, you know, maybe even just on, in your travels also. Maybe start there. Um, I would have to say probably Mansfield Reformatory sure. Prison. A lot of people refer to it as Shawshank. Yeah, everybody remembers the, it from the movie. It's the setting Shawshank for the Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. It was the same prison that they used. And I, um, I did spend time in solitary confinement in this same cell. Uh, from the movie and uh, but thankfully it was you know on on my terms I was only in there about an hour Um, in post town school in uh, Middletown Ohio post town elementary a lot of great experiences there I'd have to say it's it's one of my favorite places to visit how how long how far back does that school go Um, I don't know the details on it but and and it's interesting because there's not a lot of history there as far as, you know, deaths or anything. Um, there's one that they believe happened there. But I think the children that we experienced there, I think once they had passed as adults, they went back to an, a time that they enjoyed. They had fun. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so they go back as as kids. Do you think that's an active uh, place, or do you think it's one of those residual moments in time that they're that they're that you're experiencing when you're there? I think it's both, actually. I uh-huh. think there's some that are that are residual energy that, but there's some that are actively uh, that you see them in different places in the in the the school, and they'll um, make it known that they're there and that they see you. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's, they're interacting. Yeah. Um, we have some activity that goes on here at the, at the school also. Uh, and we'll get into that in maybe a future episode. Um, but, um, I had a friend that was a custodian up there. He just did it for, not for fun, but it was a practical job for him in the evenings. And he claims that the basketball games, uh, those go on all night long uh, on different evenings, uh, classrooms, uh, the auditoriums, you know, that's, that seems to be the big one though. Mm-hmm. Um, He's, he's been interrupted before when he was polishing the floors with people running around through the hallways. He'll, he'll see him clearly going to a room that has no exit and, you know, scares him out of his shoes. <laughs> and he goes there and there's there's nobody in the room, which he knew, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but schools, I think that that's a, you know, I think Michigan State, uh, if you look through the ghost books that are about Michigan, Michigan State has two of the oldest dormitories there are just loaded with stories. In fact, off and on, they periodically stop putting freshmen in those buildings just because <laughs> they want them to have a little bit better, you know, freshman experience than, than right. in this old haunted building. But, you know, the trauma of going to school when you're, you know, it's such a cha- life-changing moment, and then you're you're all vamped up and all this energy, um, you know, being spent as you're, yeah. as you're sort of re-acclimating re, um, to your new environment. Again, I think those moments just get soaked right into that brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and who's to yeah. say? I mean, they—you don't have to have deaths there. They, you don't have to have murders or no, suicides and, and things like that. I mean, they can once they've passed, they can come back as in any part of their life that they really want to. Yeah, interesting. And a lot of them do come back as as kids and visit their old school. And, I think George Carlin used to always say, "Wouldn't it be great if we started out as old people and worked our way back <laughs> towards childhood?" And you are yeah. in that pure moment of your life and also johnny have you this kind of brings up another topic too i have a friend that works in hospice and she uh, she is absolutely adamant in fact it changed her religion she had to change her religion that all of her belief system were changed as a as a 30-year worker of hospice um and she sees all these people having these these um uh, conversations as they're about ready to pass on to the next the next phase of their life and leave this you know this this physical world and people always think they're hallucinating and mm-hmm. it must be the morphine or these these kind of uh, mitigating factors but she says i clearly hear two sides of a, of a of a conversation going on i see somebody that's preparing to to transfer over to that other side and i see a, a beloved family member or maybe even a group of family members coming to tell them that we're here waiting for you and I think those periods happen at the end of your life. And, of course, children, you know, the, the stories with children, they don't know they're not supposed to see these things. Yeah. And we'll talk about a couple of those when we get to the terrace in here in just a second. Um, what, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? you think people are more apt at these, like the average person is maybe a little bit more apt to have this uh, thinner veil between those two, those two uh, realms? I fully believe in that um, experience. I've had experience with it a couple of times. One, hospice actually, it's in their book. You know, in dealing with with the, the upcoming death, it's in their book that they will start to communicate with their loved ones, you know, and that they'll start talking to them and stuff like that. And it's usually within the last week. But I've had personal experience when my mother, even before we knew she was um, sick, she would ask about my dad 
her mom, you know, different people like that. Well, they were just here. They said they were coming back, mm-hmm. and and she was getting dementia. And I think you know, mom, dad, dad passed in '93. You know, it's been a long time. And um, a week later, she developed pneumonia. She developed sepsis, and she passed within you know a half a day. And they knew, and she knew, you know, because they were visiting her. So they knew that that it was upcoming. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. A few years ago when my sister developed cancer, she had visits from my brother, my mom, and my dad. We had a good conversation about it, which helped me deal with her, her passing as well. And she knew it was upcoming soon because they were preparing her for it. And she would have complete conversations with them. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, at the end, they can be they can be semi-comatose or almost completely comatose up until mm-hmm. that rallying week, that last week. And it happens so often that these experiences happen when they're at their most lucid, just prior to, yeah. to, to passing. They just like all that energy comes comes to them, uh, and, and they, they can actually appear at their most lucid at this moment. Mm-hmm. And they're still experiencing these these visits from family members. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe it. I, I, even people with dementia and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like ah, oh, they're hallucinating. Um, I think Parkinson's, people with Parkinson's have hallucinations. They say a lot of their hallucinations are um, past loved ones, um, dogs that they used to have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know of a patient who would frequently reach down petting a dog that's not there. That'll be me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing purer than the love of an animal. And I, I think I think it was an old dog, you know, came back to, to visit. I don't think it's hallucinations. Mm-hmm. I think their mind is just more open to it. I think so, too. A lot like kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, as, we, as we jump towards the, the teresinism uh, experiences that we both have probably you know, had, I've got some, they're probably going to overlap here at some, some time. It seems that always happens at the terrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had a ghost tour the other night, and we were walking around, and, and, and this is what I hear all the time. The woman said, you know, I was staying at the terrace in the other night. That's what kind of prompted me to call you. I wanted to learn more about the area. And I said, you know, what, what happened at the, at the terrace? And she said, well, I, I kept going downstairs to complain about the, the parties going on. And she <laughs> said, I wanted a, an experience in this quiet bed and breakfast. And... I, I, I didn't want the house rocking and, and you know, and, and shaking yeah. from all this, this this partying that's going on. And she said the final time she went downstairs, they introduced her to the elderly couple that were staying in the hotel. And that was it. There was those three people <laughs> and, and, you know, the, what, 30 rooms up there or something like that. But, yeah, so, and I've had that. That was one of the first uh, um, stories that were recounted to me in, in uh this is going back to 1999. This woman's, you know, staying at the at the at the hotel there at the terrace, and it just it's just like that Stephen King movie, you know, uh, The Shining. At the end, there's like this big party going on. Yeah, they're finding streamers and the, the booze is all stocked and everything. And she said it was just it was just like that. She said I kept looking at my people, waiting to see or trying to capture a, 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 a visual, uh, you know, um, account of this. And she said I just I can I can hear all this partying going on just just feet from me. Yeah, yeah. Um. We, I've known several of the owners at the Terrace Inn, and um, I, I think going back to uh, some of the, the the ones that owned it three three owners ago um, were some of my favorite stories, and I'll get to those in a second. But uh, we both know Paul, uh, Mo and Patty, and right. uh, they they, uh, they graciously host us for our our events. I do the Hemingway events there, and you do your paranormal conferences there. But um, you know. All the people that I've talked to that have owned the hotel start out completely skeptical about these things, and by the time they kind of 
have been there for a couple of years, they, they start to figure out that there's something just paranormal going on mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the building. Um, I, I hosted a group of, uh, travel writers a couple of years ago. I think it's been three years now. And we were, we were talking Hemingway or right around the point and the pointer by Harbor point there. And, and, uh, the conversation turned to, to the fact that I do a lot of ghost tours and they said, Hey, we're staying at the, that old inn in Bayview, you know, the Terrace end. Do you, you know anything about that building? I'm you know, I get to get the smile on my face, of course. And uh, the one woman, and these these writers don't know each other. They're kind of put together as a as a way of bringing people up here to Northern Michigan by the Tourism Bureau and, and having them write great things about our area, which it's not hard to come up with great things about this area. But um, we started talking about the, the experiences that, that the one woman was the first. She put her hand up and she had a couple glasses of wine. And she said, you know, last night I was uh, I was awoken in the middle of the night and my, my feet were being tickled. And everybody kind of giggled about that. And I, I don't laugh about that because um, I, I can tell you probably a, a hundred different um, scenarios where people have told me that, or I've, I've read it about castles in Europe or a friend of mine was staying at the landmark in Marquette, same thing. His, his, he hears his wife screaming in the middle of the night and he comes out of the, he's in the restroom and he, he comes out and he goes, what's wrong? And she said, well, you were giving me one of the best foot rubs I've ever had till I heard you, you know, wash your hands and I realized you, you, it wasn't you. <laughs> and, uh, I, I can tell you five places in town, you can get your feet tickled if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, Terrison's a good one for that. Yeah. And it's, a uh, you know, um, but again, I think it's that, it's that wall between when you, when we're, when we're asleep and half awake and there's maybe just a little mm-hmm. bit less uh less of, of consciousness you know you're yeah. you're a little bit more relaxed and and your your mind's a little bit more open to these things of course the next day you always try to come up with a, a reasonable scenario and but mm-hmm. what caught me was funny was uh, right after she shared her experiences and i wasn't expecting this but this guy in a in a leather vest with a crocodile dundee hat on i mean he literally had shark's teeth all over him and stuff and he <laughs> he uh he raised his hand and he said well i know everybody's giggling about her but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my experience out there he said last night he goes i'll tell you right off the bat i had a couple couple of nice strong cocktails before i went to sleep and fell asleep around 12 and around 3 34 in the morning i wake up and there's a man at the foot of my bed standing there with, with a top hat on and uh i i've heard that same scenario so many times specifically in this room uh that room as it, as it is uh and it's it's in that book you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, accounts of of uh, things that have happened at the terrace Inn. there's this man in this top hat and i started asking him a little bit more i said now which room were you staying in and he goes well I, I don't know the room it was booked for me from you know the tourism bureau took care of that he goes but you go to the second floor you turn right you go down this little hallway and i knew right right away oh, he's, yeah. he's staying in the hemingway room, yeah, hemingway room <laughs> yeah. and uh just this summer another woman was staying there in the, in the hemingway room and she woke up around two thirty three in the morning and she's using the facilities and as she's washing her hands she said the figurine on the shelf started going back and forth from left to right <laughs> and it, you know that's hard to hard to kind of ignore when you're mm-hmm. in your small little little you know restroom like that but uh it's just funny how those stories just keep coming back and forth to the uh, to the terrace in uh, any experiences you want to share john that that you've 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 witnessed there or a guest of yours during the the paranormal conferences uh we could start our own book with <laughs> with them but especially with the the conferences that we have because we hear so many stories from um the people that are staying there for the you know for that weekend but the the first experience i had there is when i did go to talk to them about you know just kind of wanting to do a walkthrough with um my cousin skylar who um was there and he had seen a bunch he sees things as well um he had seen a bunch of things and we thought oh, i'd love to go investigate that um, so when I went there, I got out of the car and I'm walking towards the inn. That was my first time actually visiting the inn. I've been there for, you know, weddings or whatever, briefly. And on the second floor 
in the end of the hallway is a doorway. At the right? Yeah. And you the, go up to this? The, the, yep, the right. Mm-hmm. The um, emergency exits. Yep. And in that doorway was a gentleman. Didn't have a top hat on, but he was tall in a suit and stuff like that. And I thought, well, that's interesting, you know. <laughs> I could tell he wasn't alive. And for you, it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's cool. And when I'm telling Patty about this, she shows me a picture. And she goes, does this look familiar? I said, yeah, that is him right there. The owner in 1911, mm-hmm. you know, the innkeeper at the time. And as I was there waiting to talk to her, there's this little kid playing in the lobby. He's dressed in 19, early 1900 clothes, you know. And he's playing with this dog and this ball, not acknowledging me or anyone else there. And um, that was the first experience I had with, with the child that is often seen there, the little boy. I've seen him numerous times, numerous occasions. But so that day I had two experiences, which was which was really neat, you know, first visit there and everything. Um, but it's never bad. There's never bad, evil experiences um, that I've ever known or experienced or had any of my friends experience. And that's the same with me. Like 95% of the time people tell me these stories, they're more mischievous. Mm-hmm. They can be scary sometimes to the person that's not expecting them, but I've never really heard of anything. You know, I, I've heard some darker stories about over in Harbor Springs, and uh, yeah. that seems to be a little bit different different energy over there. And, of course, we know they know all the Native American history. that This is going mm-hmm. back 7,000, 8,000, 9,000 years over there and here as well. But most of those um, Native American communities were over there. Um, but I, and I, don't, I don't suggest that any of that negativity comes from the Native American presence over there. But I think you just have a longer history there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I have heard more dark stories about, and, and there's, there's a resort over there that we, we probably all know. <laughs> and there's a couple of buildings in that resort that, that get a lot of activity that's not quite as uh, friendly or mischievous per the accounts that I've heard. Yeah. If it's the same resort, we've had some interesting experiences at one of the buildings in there. And that's the same building probably everybody yeah. <laughs> seems to. But there's been suicides there. and Yeah. You know. I think you caught something on infrared camera, didn't you? Um, we caught some images and we also caught some, um, some audio as well. Um, the experience we had with the EMF detector was very interesting. I mean, we could we could actually make out the image of a person off the ground, mm-hmm. away from everything else. The history there is, you know, there was a, a gal that had hung herself in that exact same spot. So, um, yeah, had some interesting. Maybe a little, maybe there. a little darker uh, energy over on that side of the yeah. bay, huh? John, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot one more little quick story at you because we referenced you know kids, um, one of the former owners there. Uh, this is going back almost 20 years ago. They were renovating the hotel and they had uh, a dormitory set up downstairs where they could sleep while they were renovating the hotel. And they had a little room set aside for their four year old son. And as opening night came, they decided to uh, the the owner at that time she's very petite and they have some of those old gowns that were worn by the the innkeepers at the time and she fit into that that gown that evening and so for the grand opening she gets dressed up and she says to her son who's been living in the hotel at this point for the better part of a year she said you know what do you think of mom's outfit and he said well you look like the woman that plays with me every night after you tuck me in (laughs) 
And uh, that's that's that that story always kind of stuck in my head. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of time, but I think between the two of us, we've got we've got quite more bit more to share about about Bayview. So, for, would you mind joining us again for the next episode? Absolutely. Well, thank you. And this was the again the first episode of Ghost of Northern Michigan's Past, and uh, we hope you join us for future episodes. And we're gonna we're gonna dig deeper into uh, the uh, the paranormal world of, uh, of Bayview, and um, probably really specifically uh, the, the Terrace Inn. And then I'd really like to get into to Evelyn Hall and. Uh, Chris Hall. So well, thank you again for joining us and we look forward to you uh, in the next episode. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right.